Well, hello and welcome to the 132nd episode of the Adoption and Fostering Podcast with me, Al Coates, and him, Scott Casanrenny, and her, Elaine Amy. <laughs> hello, Elaine. Hello, Scott. <laughs> Hiya. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. 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 Well, the, Hi. Thank you for having the, me. The pleasure. It, well, hopefully, will be all of ours, but we'll wait and see. Maybe we should come back to that at the end. Um, yeah. Right. Before we get into stuff, I have a bit of um, announcements, parish announcements and notifications. Oh, no. Scott, I have I have a small confession. I feel it's appropriate that I do this. Okay. That I've been, you know how we share a, um, a email, don't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Um, Scott, I'm, I'm <laughs> really sorry. I may have been answering people as you. Oh, you evil man. <laughs> There's all this rubbish, crappy replies for him. No, nope, you're not coming on. I bet that's psycho. <laughs> Scott, isn't it? I'm telling you. It is. I am. Um, oh. We've been getting quite a few emails from publicists from the USA. Yes. And um, so things like, like senators, even we had a senator who sent us a book and said, could you read this? And I didn't know what to say. So I, I just wrote back to them and said, I'm so, thank you. I wrote back as you going, thank you so much for this book. I can't wait to read it. Is that why my social media However, following has decreased over the last couple of weeks? Because you've been replying to emails yeah. in my name. Yeah. Is that I'm not reason? sure. I'm having so much fun. I'm, I'm not <laughs> eagerly. No, don't have any more fun. <laughs> I, I, I write in the most flowery language, like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe you sent me this book. I'm so excited to read it. I can't wait. Um, and then tell them I'm not having them on. Yeah, I think so in all seriousness, I have to apologize. So if 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 they're going to contact us and they want to pay us, then that's a different thing. Um I mean we uh, we don't get paid for this. Uh, um we we you know finance this ourselves, etc. However, if someone was to say, What well, I don't know, send me a Casper mattress. All right, if you're gonna send me a because Casper mattresses apparently <laughs> are massive. Um, like uh, sponsors of podcasts. In the podcast. Yeah. So yes. If you want to send me a Casper mattress, I'll take it on a 90-day trial. Uh, we'll see how we get on. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, absolutely. Impartial reviews. Um, <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who could? Who do you think would be a good um, sponsor for the podcast? We should no, think about this. We could make. Yeah, money. that's. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because I don't. I, I think if if it was just like putting an advert in which in the middle of the podcast, say that I could probably Ooh. live with. No, like if it was just you know a, a little bit of a break, right? But I've listened to some of the yeah. American podcasts that are heavily sponsored by companies, and it's like at the beginning sponsored by Duh, and then they have like say an hour's podcast would have. It'd be like a TV program. You'd have one at yeah. 15 minutes, one at 30 minutes, one at 45 minutes, and then one at the end. <clears throat> and they may all be sponsored by different people. Um, so I, 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 but it's interesting. I don't know who could sponsor us. Like, what is relevant? You know, who would you? Sertraline? We wouldn't want any. <laughs> well, but the thing is, right? If you think about like this, this, this story that, you know, the, the Americans. Headache had, pills? This, <laughs> yeah, probably indigestion. Oh, we could be sponsored by Rennie. Um, it's just, it's such a dodgy kind of area to get into, I think. And, you know, yeah, I would be yeah. a little bit kind of cautious of being sponsored by anybody. 
Um, and let's face it, anybody who listens to the two of us, not our guests, obviously, because our guests are all amazing, but anybody who listens to the two of us, why would they, yeah. how would we, they want to sponsor us? I don't know. So if anyone's got any ideas of good sponsorship yeah. that we could maybe reach out to, yeah. Think well, that, apparently, I mean, yeah. according to some tweets, this well, one tweet this week, we were sponsored by government. Um, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we that, take money oh. from government for this. That was an interesting tweet. That didn't get any traction, no likes, no retweets, nothing. So, sorry about yeah, so, that. Yeah, apparently we are part of the Illuminati, but, yeah. you know, I must have missed that invitation to uh, Davos. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think there genuinely is quite a lot of confusion, isn't there, about about who's paid by who, who's paid. Um, you know, the, the roles and responsibilities of different yeah. organisations. And um, some of it, I don't actually know, but I do know that some of, some of the stuff that's tweeted mm, yeah, is yeah, not right. how it is. Yeah. Bang on. Got to be careful. Yeah. Got to be careful. Yeah. Anywho. Any, any other parish notices? Um, <laughs> I went to the adoption round table, oh, you... which sort of feeds nicely into that, which was all right. It was, was that sponsored? The, the good and the... Was I sponsored? Um, <laughs> uh, no. I wasn't sponsored. I bunked off work and no one knew. No, I did tell my boss I was there and she went, oh, that's fine. Get yourself away. But um, no, it was interesting. I mean, it was very, it was a, a literal whistle stop tour through adoption. You know, the ethical issues of adoption in an hour and a half with with four contributors and four breakout rooms. So yeah, it was a whistle stop tour. But some of that stuff, actually, I've kind of, that's another place you can find out about that. But I, it sort of links in quite pertinently to what we're doing today really which is uh, the reason elaine so hello elaine hello again, hello again. Um, the reason i got elaine on is because um there's a group of there's quite a few adopted adopters sorry out there who kind of are quite progressive and um i thought it'd be really good to get us to, a few of us together and have a conversation about some of these issues and how we kind of hold the tension of that progressive those progressive thoughts and those progressive ideas with the reality of the fact that we are adoptive parents mm. and we've kind of yeah we're stuck with it yeah. um, stuck with it seriously think about the words before they come out the mouth man oh well that is my next set of words are really a caveat that this is a conversation between adoptive parents and so if you're an adopted person you may not like it i mean this isn't for you this is not if you were sat around a coffee table with me i would speak differently yeah. or not speak like elaine said when before we were talking she'd like we'd, we'd shut up and listen but yeah. yeah so this may not be your cup of tea what am i trying to say it might not be your cup of tea and we and don't come frankly about some yeah. of the don't come for us because this is our experience and we're entitled to have our experience um <gasps> the point of the podcast is for mm. you know let's face it it's for supporting our our community um, mm-hmm. there'll, be, there'll be some adopted people who don't mind listening to it and we're grateful that you do but if if you're of a nervous disposition probably not a good idea <laughs> what the hell and, are we going to and that's say? before we've even said anything about it because we don't even know where it's going to go but you know yeah yeah, I think it's a really good point, though. And, and, you know, that was one of the first things I was going to say as well is, you know, the, the worst thing for me would be having a platform that a lot of adopted people are listening to. And I'm talking as an adopter as if I've got some credibility 
um, over the experience of adopted people. Absolutely, no. I, that's not how I see it. As an adopter, I think we are on, on a unique journey where we have to parent. We're already in the situation. We've got children. We have to make decisions on a daily basis. And we need to talk mm-hmm. to each other sometimes and share some of our, our experiences. Um, and I think recently, you know, there's been a move away from doing that mm-hmm. publicly um, on platforms like Twitter because the adopted adult community and adopters have kind of like come together more and more. And it's, you know, obviously causes, it can cause pain and um, a lot of discomfort for the people, which I personally wouldn't want to do, but we do still need to have those conversations. um, You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not unreasonable. I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, Twitter was an incredibly supportive environment for a while, but I think then we we overstepped. I guess we didn't realise it was a appreciate that it was a marketplace. Yeah, and so in that context, yeah. you've got to be careful, yeah. haven't you? You've got to be mindful of the other people who can listen and see what you're saying, mm. and without the opportunity to give context or explanation, it can come across in a way that it's not intended. Yeah, is that? Yeah. But I, don't, I mean, I yeah. think that. Um, if you think back a couple of years, there was, and we were, as parents, we were called out on it rightly, you know, oversharing um, when, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, I mean, that's still happening, actually. I have to say, I don't do it anymore. If I, if I was to put yeah. something on social media, I ask permission first. Um, uh, but, you know, there, there are still some people who, you know, post photographs and maybe not so much on Twitter now, but certainly I see it a lot on Instagram. Um you know, but maybe not quite uh, Instagram different as photographs, but it's still the same thing. You're, you're still posting photographs of children who may be vulnerable. You know, I'm not questioning anybody who does that, but, you know, because I don't know their their kind of history of the, of the children and, and, you know, they may have direct contact and, you know, their birth parents might be quite happy for, for them to have that kind of situation. Who knows? You know, it's not my place to ask or question, but... Um, certainly, um, you know, the oversharing thing, we were all called out and quite rightly, actually, on reflection. At the time, it felt like an attack, but, you know, yeah. It was yeah, a real learning was. curve, yeah, wasn't it? I, I think, think you're right. And, and I think, you know, for me, although there is times where, you know, I feel like we need to have spaces for adopters to talk to adopters and also to influence each other mm. as well and challenge some of our thinking. Um, I do think that, um, you know, that Twitter is not the place for that. And that for me was the real challenge was um, realising that, you know, you don't automatically have a right to to share your views, share your story in a, in a public forum. Um, and if you do then there may be some fallout from that. Um, and, and for me, there, there was a bit, not much, personally, I didn't share a lot, but, you know, it was, it was quite an uncomfortable few months, I think, for quite a lot of us. And I think, you know, we all learned a lot yeah. from it and we we kind of shifted and changed mm. in how we used that platform. Um, and I think that, you know, yeah, quite I'd a lot agree. of good came of that. Yeah, definitely. So I was wanting to maybe unpack mm. some of the sort of the complicated issues that I know that perhaps we've had as three of us, we all kind of know each other quite well and we often congregate together um, oh. in different social occasions. Elaine mm. uh, Amy is a reprobate <laughs> and leads my wife astray <clears throat> on regular occasions. Not anymore. Uh, I, can, I think I can say that. Well, not that often anyway, not anymore. Uh, not anymore. Uh, no, no. 
I'd say I'm no, no, more no, snarl than yeah. Elena is. <laughs> yeah, basically, you both lead my wife astray and uh, and goad her into into baiting me or whatever. She doesn't need. Your wife does. Yeah, she doesn't need leading. She does it perfectly well on her own. So let's just make yeah, that quite clear. Yeah. Anyway, and nip that thought in the bud. She's yeah. She's a very good friend of mine. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm fond of her as well. So let's start a competition. Um. Right. A question that I put out on Twitter a few weeks ago, and this is, so how does adoption support children's rights? Big question. Mm. Does adoption support children's rights? Because obviously we've got the um, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. I think Article 2 says, you know, that children have the right to identity, to a family life, to all of that kind of stuff. How does adoption support children's right to family life? You've both stopped talking. It's no good. I can talk forever, but does it? <laughs> well, the invitation there is to kind of give a really straightforward, clear-cut answer, isn't it? As though it's there's a neat answer to that. But the reality is there isn't a neat answer to that, is there? Because, you know, how how adoption... Well, I mean, the question really has to start much further back, doesn't it? Yeah. Is, you know, is adoption the way that we protect children who can't live within their families um, you know, there's so many underlying principles that we're already buying into if we start with that question of does adoption protect the rights of the child? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and I'm certainly not, I'm not comfortable with adoption. You know, I'm not anti-adoption. Um, I did go through a phase where I was anti-adoption, but um, as my children got older, because I mean, when I first got to know you guys, I think mine were about, um, when I first met you, well, I think they were yeah. eight and nine. Yeah at Greenbelt a long time ago and um, I think probably about you know 10, 11, 12 when we met you Scott but um, you know they're now 16 and 17 um, and I can't honour my children and their stories and be anti-adoption and I can't really give all the reasons publicly for that but understanding them and their journey has meant that for me at this point in time and it may change um, I can't be one of those people saying mm. adoption needs to yeah. end because it's not where my children are at. And it would be incredibly disrespectful for me as a non-adopted person to say that publicly when my adopted people that live in my house don't agree with me and see my social media. So I, I can't be anti-adoption when they're not. Um, so it's a journey and, you know, I'm following their lead I've got my own thoughts and opinions. So, so, yeah, so I can't be fully against it, but I'm incredibly uncomfortable with a lot of it, you know. It's really messy, isn't it? Because there's, there no, there's no simple question. There's mm. no simple answer. And I, probably like you, I, I think yeah. my, the pendulum has swung from being, you know, when I was 28, <laughs> to be totally like, oh, adoption's cool. Mm. But now at 48, I was probably much more like, I'm not sure. I just I think that maybe we need to end it. But then... Right. Then the pendulum swung again, and yeah. I think, well, show me a better alternative. Yeah, yeah, it's not okay as it is, is it? And I don't think I don't think many of us are 
and I don't mean many of us adoptive parents. I mean, many of us in our circles of close friends who are adopters. I don't think many of us are comfortable with adoption and feel that it's mm. great and positive and the ideal solution for children. But it is what there is right now, it's certainly what I'm living right now. So I've got a limited capacity for thinking if only it was something different, because right now today, what I have to live with and manage and all of the decisions I have to make are mm. in this yeah. frame work that we have now so that's one of my starting point for now but i'd like it to change it's comp I, I do as well which is maybe part of the narratives have been driven by people who've perhaps got very different experiences to our children does that complicate you know when you think about some of the voices you know some of the u.s voices a very different experience and we could argue the toss about is adoption different in the u.s and all of that but actually that you know mm -hmm. i look at my children, I think that their life experience is nothing comparable to your life lived experience. And my children may yeah. never get to your place, may never want to. And that, yeah, that's me talking for adopted people, but don't yeah, want to do that. that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's, there's something in yeah. that, uh, which says to me, because I, and I, I don't want to call people out on this, this thing that they call the the uh, their fog okay so coming out of the fog okay because actually that could happen at any time and and you know i i i've taken the decision this year not to talk adoption on um twitter okay for my for my yeah. own personal reasons um i've muted the word how it still shows on my bloody timeline i do not know um anything to do with adoption i've kind of muted so if anybody was expecting me to reply to something sorry but it's not going to happen but then i see the odd thing and i'm still you know i'm, I'm seeing a, an increasing number of people and not just in the us and this is the thing because i'm not saying it originated in the us but it seemed more common that people in um, adopted people in the us were saying about coming out of this adoption fog and what have you but i'm seeing it more and more in the uk as well um, and I'm I, I, I'm not saying that I don't understand it, but there's part of me that that wonders if it's if there's similarities or if there's differences in terms of what they're experiencing. Because as far as I can see, right, and no doubt I'll be corrected if I'm wrong, the 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 style of adoption in the US, people believe it's it's kind of a, a, a money making thing. Yeah, so organisations make money from adoption. Now, in this country, a child can't be placed unless it goes through a local authority or a regional adoption agency, which yeah. is a statutory agency. Yeah, um, so there's kind of there's no profit in it as such. Okay, there are voluntary organisations that exist to place harder uh, that exist to for harder to place children. So you know, I don't know medical you know kind of behavioral all that sort of stuff siblings etc they're they're kind of you know engaged to yeah provide therapeutic services etc et so there's i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say i'm just saying that the, the two the two sides of this in terms of the us versus the uk very very different but actually the outcomes potentially the same and are are uk adopted people seeing this kind of shift in the us where people are kind of rising up against adoption fine cool totally agree i personally um think that adoption has a place i don't think it has a place the way it is i think it needs to there, there does need to be some changes made we've talked about them lots on the podcast contact being yeah. the, the primary thing for me 
Um, but is it, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this, really. I'm just waffling because I've got so much in my brain. <laughs> but, you know, is it is it the same? I don't, I, I don't know if it is. I, I guess the feelings are the same, you know, that those feelings of kind of how, how you feel when you become an adult through adoption. Um, and, you know, Al, you and I have got adult children who were adopted. Um, I don't know if there's any fog for them. I don't, I don't know if it's something that just happens because you, you want to come out the other side or is it a, a day of reckoning where you go, yeah, that was a crappy experience, wasn't it? And you know, this is, this is what happened to me and this is why I, I feel like that. I don't know. I don't know. That was the biggest pile of crap I've ever spoken in my life. No, do you? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, I, I get all that. You, when you start yeah, thinking does, about it, your brain exactly goes down twelve Thank different you, avenues. But to <laughs> me, to me, honestly, I don't feel that I need to think about this stuff. I'm not adopted. I'm not in any fog. I'm not adopted. Yeah. I don't ever need to come out of any fog. Whether my children do or don't, do I need to know that? Do I need to make sense of that? Or do I just need to do my job of being yeah. the adoptive parent that I am, learn what I can and, and provide the conditions that I can for my children to have as much as is within my power, to have the freedom to yeah. make their own journey? Mm. Do I need to understand it? Because one of the things for me, I've learned a lot from listening mm. to adopted adults. Yeah. Some of that stuff that I've learned has caused the most tension in my home because my own children have been so cross with me right. about the stuff that I've then said to them. And they mm. said, you know what? It's not like that. And for me, what right. I've learned is it's yeah, not yeah. my business. Do you know what I mean? I, this, this is not my area. I don't need to... I don't need to analyze it and give a, a neat view on it because it's never going to concern me to that degree. I just need to get out of the way. Do you know what I mean? That's how I feel with my own children and not be threatened by what, whatever they, wherever they end up and whatever narrative they create for themselves. If they manage to create a narrative for themselves, I will feel pleased. Yeah. Whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. They've made meaning from their journey, resolved what they need to resolve and, and landed somewhere where they feel they can function and own that journey. That's, that's, that, I, I See, I find that really interesting because my thoughts on that are I don't want them thinking that anything that happened during their childhood, their teenage years, was as a result of me being trying to direct them into a place that they they. they shouldn't be, didn't want to go, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's quite an interesting perspective on it because I think as a parent, I just want them to be them, but I want to help them to get there. So yes. like you've just said there, you you pick up these things and you think, oh, okay, well, you know, I might try that or this, I might say that. Yeah. Open <laughs> up this yeah, little discussion exactly. about a thread um, on so Twitter. So actually it can sometimes yeah. just do more harm than good. Yeah, although honestly, I don't think it's done any harm. Yeah. I think it's been really helpful, even that. Um, it's helped me to move both listening to and learning from adopted adults and then going and having conversations with my own children and getting shouted down and yeah. almost getting told, how dare you 
and tell me that my parents are okay and not bad people how dare you come and tell me not necessarily that yeah, yeah. i'm not saying that that's what was said but you know how <coughs> dare you paint this picture you have no i have memories i was there you don't know and actually that whole journey that yeah. wouldn't have happened had i not shifted from learning from adopted adults started conversations and those conversations yeah. have been incredibly fruitful you know but my children haven't necessarily uh, appreciated anything that I've learned or had to say uh, I haven't necessarily agreed with any of it and and over time I'm kind of learning mm. to take everything a bit more lightly and even the stuff that I learn from adopted adults online I tend now to just think this is not my lane do you know what I mean I d- my children need access to this stuff I don't you know I just need to not get in the way it's and it's so unique down to each one of our children isn't it because they all have very different my children all have totally different experiences and perceptions and experiences of us as parents experience of pre coming to us and experiences through care and yeah i, I find it really interesting the whole conversation around this because i think that it's something that i wrestle with and you know do i feel a level of i think sometimes the worst case scenario is that you get i've seen some adopters on twitter who are like, you're self-flagellating. I should never have done this. That's the worst case scenario. And then you get the other people who are at the other extreme are going like, adoption's freaking off you. And I saved these kids from a terrible thing and I am wonderful. Um, Most of us are in between somewhere. And we... Yeah. um, Yeah. I'm certainly not beating myself up for adopting. You know, absolutely not. You know, I I look at my children, look at the journey that we've been on, and I have no sense Mm. of guilt or shame or that I've harmed them in any way. Would I like things to be different for children in future? I would. However, that wasn't available. Yeah, I would would totally, totally agree with that, Elaine. And and I'm I'm very Mm. similar. And I love all three of my children, you know, even when they're a pain in the bum, just because they've been a pain in the bum. You know, but then I'm a pain in the arse as yeah. well. So, yeah. you know, like I'm a parent. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to be a pain in the backside yeah. to challenge them on why, you know, they've no money left at the end of the week because they decided to spend it all in the pub or, you know, whatever, whatever it comes yeah. to. But that is, that isn't yeah. necessarily about adoption. That's just actually trying to be someone who's looking out for somebody yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's another conversation, isn't it, is, you know, about the alternatives to adoption. Um, I'm all for alternatives to adoption. However, I think my journey with my children would probably have been very, very similar in terms of our day-to-day lives. The fact that it is is what it is was not what I needed or wanted. Um, It just is, the framework is what it is. If I was a foster carer, if I was, you know, a different a guardian of some sort, it would I would still want it to look like it has, and I would still want it to be well into adulthood, forever belonging. If they want to with me, do you know what I mean? A lifetime commitment, regardless of regardless of the legal, you know, statutory framework around it all, it would still in my home. If mm-hmm. I had a say, it would still look like this. So I have a question around that then for all of us really to think about yeah are our children more vulnerable than some in terms of the future in terms of independence in terms of you know being um 
not educated because they're all educated in their own way and they've all reached their, their milestones in their own way and stuff like that. But, you know, in terms of being able to kind of make their way in the world where they don't need us, is that the issue with some of the stuff that we read? I don't know. I'm just putting out there. Because I think that, you know, I have one who's on a bit of a yo-yo string who <laughs> leaves, comes back, leaves. But the door's always open. Actually, it's not a door anymore. It's um, one of those, you know, spinning things. Um, I have one. He actually said to me tonight, you know, when we move to our new house, are you going to have like an annex for me to live in so I can get a Labrador? And I'm like, Brandon, oh, I just said his name. Brandon, <laughs> How long are we talking here? You know, you're 23 now. <laughs> <laughs> but but is is that is that a thing? Because I I do wonder about the vulnerabilities of some of our children. You know, um, Elaine, you and I, are, you your children and my children were older. Um, yeah. It may have had a yeah. different kind of impact in them being older. I don't know if anybody's done any research and stuff on that. But you know, I'm just I'm just kind of thinking out loud and in, in, in terms of whether well, that's a thing. I, uh, I like, do you know what I like yeah, about no, how our kids can over. talk? And we can see him yeah. have a talk. And so far, it's gone from me to you, from me to you, to uh, me to you. And, and the pen just going back yeah. in his mouth. Well, I, he knows his place. I struggle. I do know my place. You know what it is? It's, it's because every uh, sentence he starts uh, with, uh, just... one of us jumped in. <sighs> I'll just record my own podcast on my own, just just whittering on and release it. Just Al's thoughts. And um, no, what I was going to get to was often when you see a lot of these conversations, and like even the roundtable event, right? So you've got a lot of very articulate people who've got a, probably exceptional stories. And mm. um, on online, you've got people who are very articulate, able to express themselves in relation to their experience of adoption or their experience of being an adopter. And then I wonder that we've got a cohort of children right now. Uh, and I know, and you know, that, that the needs of those children are, on the whole, pretty extreme. That their experiences are, are the, let's presume, uh, at the worst end of the spectrum. But the impact of that stuff is lifelong. Yeah. It's not, it's at least long term. And so actually, mm -hmm. as much, and I often think that it's, it gets complicated. So what those little children need when they're little is, is they need that yeah. belonging, that everything that adoption offers them and as they stretch into adolescence and adulthood then it's not fit for purpose but actually what my children needed when they were little was they needed to belong they needed someone to go like we talk about claiming which is kind of yeah. language that i know is really if i use that sort of language on the internet i yeah. would be there would be inflammatory gotcha days yeah and um, claim being claimed is all very little child led that actually my children felt I remember the first day I met um, one of my children she ran up and down the street shouting look at and shouting to people look at my new mummy looking at my daddy like a dog with two tails mm -hmm. just over the moon it's probably more worried about to be there, but whatever. yeah <laughs> um, but then at 15 we yeah. world that they've they've evolved and and so adoption feels like right for some for children and the little but maybe that <laughs> does it need to be molded as it goes yeah. does it need to be that constant supervision yeah. for someone to come in and poke me with a stick and say do better but that, do it differently but that's now, interesting 
10 years ago, if, you, if I think back 10 years ago, you know, we all said, oh, yeah, we want, you wouldn't want a social worker coming back into your life every however long, uh, you know, talking before the ASF, before we kind of, you know, had all these kind of assessment things where we could get access to therapy, et cetera. Um, and uh, I, I, I wonder if um, it's, it's a, a journey that you go through now these days. I, I think there's, there's this is a spectrum, let's face it. So these days, adopters or um, prospective adopters, should I say, go through the process on the assumption that their children are going to need some form of intervention at some point because of the you know yeah. developmental trauma that they've experienced and all the all the stuff that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, for us as older adopters, I don't know if we want to call ourselves that. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, Elaine, um, but certainly for me. Um, that wasn't something that was mentioned when we went through the preparation, when we went through this, yeah. that, and the next thing. Adoption support wasn't a thing. Um, yeah. And so therefore, to be able to access that, it's kind of like admission of failure in some ways. Um, not just failure yeah. as a parent, but failure towards your children as well, because you've let them down, because you know you should have been able to repair and to, to for, for them to heal and all that sort of stuff, because that was the expectation faced on you placed on you should i say that's nobody's fault that's just the way the system worked at that point in time and we've learned so much more yeah you know that that's that's the, these are the kinds of things that i struggle with every day am i doing my best not just for my children for me as well because i am also human and i also have a need for 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 to to be myself to make sure that i'm okay etc and i don't think that I yeah. place that kind of importance on myself. I place it more on my family. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I know I kind of, for me, it links a little bit to the question that you asked, Al, um, about whether our children are more vulnerable. Yeah. Because there's something about, if I, if I was providing a level of care for somebody who is significantly traumatized and I was going to be doing that for six weeks solid and then it was going to end I wouldn't do it the way that I do it however you know we're nearly 10 years in and we've got definitely another 10 years um and probably at least five of that if not more is going to be at a really high level and so I have to be realistic about, you know, this house has to function with yeah. four people feeling okay. You know what I mean, apart from anything, I think it's very healthy, a healthy environment to live in anyway, to, to you know, have a sense that, that parents also yeah. have needs, limitations, you know, and have to have to look after themselves. And, we, you know, it's, a, it's a kind of about role modelling as well. But even if you put that to one side, um, you know, because some of the therapies certainly that we were introduced to near the start of our journey were very much about centering the needs of the children in every interaction yeah. every day. And, you know, we I wouldn't be able to still do that now. And sometimes the need is still there. But there's also a need for me to still be able to do yeah. this in six weeks, in a year. So it's, it's kind of a bit of a balance, and that isn't it? then rubs up against when we're, we've got these these big questions about, is you know, the big philosophical questions about adoption. And you go, hang on, look at the lived reality of an adopted child and an adoptive adult and mm-hmm. look at that. Because it's all well and good sitting in your ivory tower 
<clears throat> having a roundtable event where you've brought in exceptions. Mm. So you've brought in a birth parent who yeah. is an exception, who kind of who has done amazingly and turned their life around. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. But you might be the exception. Yeah. Where we bring in is we don't know, do we? I don't know what the exception is and what the rule is. All I know is mm. about my children, my family, you know, and and you know, obviously I know about both of yours. I know about the people that I know yeah. well, I know about theirs, but I'm in a circle of people where that yeah. really would be the exception. However, I don't know if outside of my circle that isn't such an exception. Do you know what I mean? Because we've just kind of found each other because of similar experiences so, and, and connected yeah. because of that. Mm. I don't know. And I and I, I would be uncomfortable describing a, a birth parent significantly changing to the point where they actually would be able to care for their children as an exception. I'm not convinced that it is quite the exception that we yeah. think. I think certainly in my circles, it's probably a lower number, but exception to me almost kind of implies mm. a really rare event. And and I don't think it should uh, be. And maybe you know it's that mean? we sort of come from a place of we're working on that, yeah, maybe someone can't parent a child, but that doesn't mean they can't have contact with the child. Yeah, I was going to say, that's... that's that, yeah. that, and it yeah. might be... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it might be they can't parent yeah. for now, but what, what happens if they can parent in the future and if, you know, a, a number of years into the future? You know, these are the kind of really difficult decisions that have to be made, mm. aren't they? Because, you know, children need timely quality, yeah. good quality parenting care now from somebody. And and that's, you know, that's not debatable. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, there is a real difficulty that I think, I think lots of, of parents can over time be in very different circumstances. And that's one of the things about adoption that I really have a problem with is there's no room for that. And to me, honestly, I find that quite unforgivable that there's such a permanent decision made you know, um, for something that can change. But for me, it's I think most times where children are removed, it is for a temporary problem, but how temporary? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is yeah. it another five years? Is it another 10 years? Is it another year? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes how it is right now is so awful, you know. It's, um, a, it's, a, well, it's a crystal yeah. ball, isn't it, that no one's got that. But then it begs the question which you said scott was of that ongoing social work involvement that kind of that refreshes and says right we knew that at three that it was inappropriate that the child had contact with the parent mm. but actually we've seen mum lately and actually that yeah. that might work at at nine and actually the vulnerability of your three-year-old is not present in a 13-year-old or a 16-year-old well potentially isn't and um, i had a really interesting conversation this week um with a from the adoptee the Adoptee Rights Law Centre in the USA, and it's on a podcast coming up in a few months. And he, one of the things he was advocating for, uh, uh, a lawyer who runs the, the centre, was saying that at adulthood, children get to make a choice about what they want to do with their adoption. Mm. That actually it just becomes like a like at 21, yeah. they're given the opportunity to say, oh, I'm sticking with it, it's fine. I really like yeah. that. I mean, how can we not have that really? You know, given that adoption is about safeguarding and protecting children who need protection, you, you can't apply that into adulthood. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? 
you know, there is a time limit to that. But I do think that children, I'm not a big fan of some of the alternatives that, that people talk about um, that would leave a child vulnerable to an adult being able to say, actually, this isn't working for us. You need to put them somewhere else. Um, you know, for me, if I said that, um, I would be accused of abandoning my children. Yeah. If I said, you know, take this child away, um, this child abandonment, you can't do that. And and mm. that's how it should be as well. But I think you're right. I think for children, their needs, to, well, for adult children who then become adults, as they grow and as they reach the age of being able to make decisions for themselves, they need to mm. be able to opt out and also opt back into their birth family. But what can't happen is that there isn't an option for them of this family where you belong forever. They, I don't think mm. children should lose that. I think that's, yeah. that's a really you know interesting I mean? point because we're in a situation where um, between the two adult sons, one has really positive contact with some of his birth family. The other one doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, yeah. And for me all i've said to them is look if you need me for anything with regards to this then i'm here you know if you want advice if you want you know words if you want whatever it is that you want if you, if you just want a soundboard all, all those sorts of things but yeah. what i would have loved was for them to be to be able to come to this point where actually we knew the people they're talking to, we know who they are. We we we've met them. We've done this with them. We've done that. You know whether you know we can talk about whether it's birth parents and all that sort of stuff and whether it's appropriate. You know we can we can talk about that till the cows come home. But my point is, my I know that the one who doesn't want to have that connection is it's because he's scared because we've never had the opportunity to open them up to that if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have yeah. just thrown him into, you know, like an overnight, <laughs> you know, away with, with his birth family. That, that's all I've talked about. What I'm saying is we've never had the opportunity because we weren't allowed to, you know, nobody gave us that access. We could mm. have done, we could have done it through Facebook. We could have been really brave and bold and, and all those kinds of things, but who knows how that would have turned out. You know, we'd, we wouldn't have had the support of um, others to be able to make sure that that was okay. And that was correct. And, and it was for the best, you know, for for the for the the boys and all that sort of stuff. I guess what I'm saying is that you know I wish that we'd had that opportunity. You know, it's not compulsory, mm. but I wish I'd had that opportunity to be able to do that because then actually they could have made decisions based on other reasons than just fear, um, fear of the unknown. Because yeah. that's you know yeah. the, the, we're talking about yeah. biological family here. We're talking about blood. You know that there should there shouldn't be much fear unless there's a reason that he's you know just not saying about which yeah. could be possible. Yeah. You know, let's face it. You know, you don't yeah. tell everybody everything, and, and I don't confess to be the you know the person who knows everything. But yeah, well, I remember having a conversation with I think it was Dawn um, on one of the podcasts, and she talked about this idea of um, that she didn't want to engage with her birth family out of disloyalty. And it wasn't that her parents or her adoptive parents were putting any sense of guilt or on it. It was out of a genuine sense of, oh, I want to be loyal to my parents, my yeah. adoptive parents. And you just think that if there could be a, a world where you could at whatever, mm. 20, 21, 18, that someone could sit down and go, well, what do you want? Mm. But not me. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. someone who was yeah. trusted and knew what they're talking about. <laughs> it kind of went, well, I can open that door for you if you want. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the point. I mean, we've had those conversations all the way through, but I can't open any doors. So, you know, there's a limited value to me knowing how my children Mm -hmm. feel and what they would like, because, you know, if I've got absolutely no access to any information whatsoever that enables me to make decisions around balancing the cost and the benefits, the safety and the risk, um, you know, it's... It's just conversations about yeah. feelings, isn't it? Whereas I think what what I would like to see happen is, you know, a, a parallel process where when children are within their birth family, removed from birth family and beyond, mm. into adoption and beyond, birth families continue to be yeah. supported, you know, and that there is some ongoing recognition of where they are at with with the potential to re reignite those discussions with adoptive families or wherever those children are, whoever they're with, kinship, foster carers or whatever, um, you know, because it's not only adopted children that have no contact with birth family. We've got um, foster carers that live very close to here um, and they are permanent foster carers. That child has no access to his birth family. Um, He has his legal name, but he has no access to his birth birth family. And nobody knows anything about how she's doing or where she is. Um, You know, so it's not just an adoption issue, but it's about parallel process for me about the professionals involved being able to then open doors and say, right, this is how things are at Uh, with birth family. Where are you at? Where are the children at? Is there any way that we can inch something forward for a bit of healing yeah. for everyone, a bit of connection? And and sometimes there won't be, but sometimes That's there will interesting be. Interesting because I reflect on across my gazillion children, <laughs> um, <laughs> literally one million children. Uh, it feels like that most days. Um, that what is really odd is I've seen this really peculiar power dynamic, the shifting of. That when my children were teenagers, the kind of a door opened and there was some sort of, um, my older children, this is, there was a, a, connect, a reconnection that like it f- like flamed bright and then it just ebbed. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, my, the, the power dynamic is fundamentally altered that my children are adults. And these people who were loomed large are now older adults and kind of like the power dynamics have shifted and the threat mm-hmm. has just gone. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so now they're making their own way and some of my children are up for that some of my children are just indifferent um, conversely I've got other children who where mm. the, the danger is really clear and present and probably will be no, it's really sad <laughs> like we have an awful yeah. lot of children at the moment but these children who think it's these yeah. and these other children over here how and big is your lifestyle just haven't have you moved since we've last seen you because you know it sounds like you've got like a million bedrooms and you know no no well we you know the story we moved from an eight bedroom house because every room was full right because there were six children uh, three adults two dogs uh, and we moved house thinking because a couple of them had moved out which is great and literally the day we moved in one of my daughters returned home like with her bags packed crying because everything had broken down and we hadn't got a bedroom for her um, <laughs> So, but that is a yeah. thing. Can I just be saying that this? That, that is a thing. I know how you would love to just go to a two-bedroom cottage somewhere. Um, I, in fact, the last time, I, the last time I, I was over, looking. that was a discussion that you were having with Mrs. C, who was having none of it. To be fair, because she likes to entertain, she likes people, she likes company, whereas you don't. But it's, it's a thing as well that goes forward because I, you know, we moved house uh, in in well last summer. 
And we, we struggled to find a place because I was adamant that we had to have enough bedrooms just in case. Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, that, 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 that's another kind of dimension to this parenting malarkey that we've got. I don't know if my mother-in-law or my mum ever thought like that, you know, if they ever thought, okay, so I've got this many children and this is how many bedrooms I need to have just in case. And, and at what age do you cut that off? And, you know, at what age do you stop yeah. thinking in those those terms? So that is a that is another aspect of it, isn't it? You know, in terms of being a parent. I've got a friend who, um, he's similar age to me and um, I'll not, you know, I'll keep the details vague, but he's got children who are just, they are going to remain vulnerable adults. Mm. Um, and he's a very good parent, yeah. him and his wife, you know, as good as you can get. Did everything right. A system literate, use the system, work through the system. His granddaughter's going to be adopted because his daughter can't maintain a lifestyle is mm. kind of it's just that, that really complicated mix. And you go, that story's not being heard. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and he's heartbroken, but also acknowledges that because of his age, him and his wife's age, they can't do it. You know, they and they don't want to do it. You know, they're they're pretty broken by the the nature of their parenting experience. Yeah. And don't you think some of the difficulty around all of those decisions is because of the nature yeah. of adoption? Because a lot of people who take on grandchildren or, you know, kinship carers is because mm. they are threatened with, they will be adopted otherwise, and that will be the end of your relationship yeah. with them. And actually, you know, I know if one of my children were to have a child and couldn't care for it, what I would want would not be for me to parent it because mm. I am their parent and the conflict, I would struggle with the conflict of that um, because I'm, I am their parent and I would, I would wish to remain yeah. primarily their parents. Um, and I think it complicates things, but, you know, I, I would also want there to be an option for somebody to, uh, to bring up that child who has the energy, the youth, the enthusiasm, the home, the love, but with rela relationships yeah. intact. Do you know what I mean? That would be my desire for my own children if they were in that position. And that's yeah. where I think, you know, adoption has done so much harm um, like I, you know, I stand by. I don't feel guilty or ashamed of a decision that I've made to adopt, but I don't, you know, minimise or dismiss that an mm. awful lot of harm was caused yeah. by my children yeah. being adopted. You know, and and I would like a different system that minimised some of that for the children, for the birth yeah. families. See, hashtag you know. Elaine Amy saying it as it is since <laughs> since twenty whatever, yeah. <laughs> keeping it real it's true it's, it? you're so right you're so right you you, you do that i think that's probably why i love sitting talking to you because you know when it comes to stuff like this you're right you you say what others are thinking in that respect because it's mm -hmm. true it's true it's so true but the the flip side to that is i think that what you get from adoptive parents is a lot almost every adoptive parent i've ever met made a promise to a child i will be your dad or your mum forever forever and that that's it really and that's what i want my children who have you know probably walked past that door a few times listening you know i want my children to know that adopting them made yeah. me happier do you know what i mean and, and i know that that's a really contentious issue and that you know some adopted adults feel they they 
served a purpose for their adoptive parents and it wasn't about them it was about their adoptive parents all I can say is in my relationship with my children I want them to know that my life got better when they turned up do you know what I mean Can I pick you up on what you said there? Because I think that it's a massive red herring. I was thinking about this and I thought, oh, yeah, that's awful that people have gone, oh, I want to adopt because I want to adopt. And then I thought, but what parent doesn't have a child because they want a child? I I, honestly, I adore these girls. And, you know, as as much as it, it might sound, it might not be what some people like to hear. My truth is that they have made me happier, you know, um, my yeah. life has got better. There's just nothing is worse. Do you, oh. do you know what I mean? You know, and and I wanted to parent, and I love parenting them, and I love them, and I love watching them grow and develop. And you know, there's a real joy for me. And I would hate to say to them, do you know what I did this all for you? But do you know no, what I mean, I did this all because you needed yeah, a but family. That, that's, I think the objection from maybe what I've heard in the community is that people saying, "Oh, it's a terrible reason to do it for yourself." And I think, but every parent, biological parent, does that. They don't have children that think, "Oh." I'm going to have a baby to save a baby. That I'm going to have a baby for me because I want a baby or we want a baby or we want it to be, a, I don't know, what do people have babies for? It's a, it's a, the most fundamental human urge, isn't it, to have yeah. children. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I never felt that need. Yeah. I never felt that need. And, you know, for me, this is a rabbit hole that I've never gone down because I never <laughs> felt the need to, to biologically have children. So. Yeah. No, no, I didn't either. So why did you parent Never, then? I didn't feel the need to have a baby or a young child. Mm. I did want yeah. to parent. I think there's a difference. Though. I think there, I there can often parent. be a difference. But I, I didn't, I didn't feel the need for that child to be biologically mine. I also didn't feel the need. I, I'm not great with babies no. and toddlers, honestly. That's so not true. I, I like, I like children. I really like children, and I'm finding teenagers like quite you nice. You know when I like them, I like them when they get to eat. <laughs> <laughs> is that only no, if they, when they go to shop and buy beer though, they bring or... back a bottle of wine I mean, it's an amazing thing that they do you know without even being that broken that's it you know and, and like I don't I really don't want to dismiss the the feeling that some adopted yeah. adults have that they you know some of the people who say you know this idea um it, you know, but some of those people, they literally yeah. were mm-hmm. paid for. Do you know what I mean? You know, and I, how can you make meaning out of your story if it started with, you know, a person who was perfectly yeah. capable of looking after you, mm-hmm. but actually didn't. And then you went to somebody else who really wanted their own birth child, but couldn't yeah. have one and were childless. You know, I, I just... I just I can't imagine how difficult that is yeah. to process and make sense of. And I do think sometimes for some of our children, you know, and I'm I'm not saying whether this is true of mine, but some of our children that have been hurt and removed, yeah. there is a meaning yeah. to it for them. That means they make sense of it much more easily, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and that's interesting because um I keep saying about podcasts I've recorded, but um, Rachel Baker's coming on in a few weeks and she will, she's an adopted adult and she'll say, I'm so pleased I was adopted. I remember what happened to me, mm. you know, and that mm. if you, if you want to seek out Rachel Baker on Twitter, fantastic. And she'll fight anyone for a pound over that issue. Um, and so lots of people going, yes, but yes, but and she goes, no, I know you, you can't, you, you can have your, you mm. can stick to your truth. That's fine. 
But my truth is this. I know what happened to me and I know it was better. Mm. And you go, that's mm. not a voice we're hearing very often. No. Because the, the dominant voices are often people who've got a different experience. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're drawing out the rocks of what trying to make sense of what adopted people say on Twitter, which is a, a fool's. Yeah. yeah. Which is what we didn't want to do, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah, and I don't want to do that anyway. I don't want to, I don't want to take everyone's experiences, analyse them and come up with conclusions and then feed yeah. them out as some kind of truth. You, start, you, know you I mean? started off by saying um, this isn't, really don't you know, want that to wasn't your place and that's not our place to, to do that either. So I think, no. I think no. that's bang on, you know, this is a discussion for us to have really, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do, I did want to just say that, you know, I do do want to acknowledge as much as I, I understand within my own family context, the journey of, you know, removal, adoption, whatever, the journey that we've had since, which, you know, I'm not, I don't really talk about um, with exploration into contact, etc. Um, I do recognise there, there are a significant number of adopted children out there when they have restarted contact. And actually, you know, you, you kind of think those those parents could parent these children now. Do you know what I mean? And, um, you know, they were adopted into another family, permanently severed. This parent has gone on to have other children or not have other children, um, but certainly would be a safe parent. And I think there, that is a real issue yeah. for me of, of how that happens much more often than it should i wouldn't say whether it's the norm or not no idea but i do know it's it's not a real kind of outlier yeah. do you know what one I mean? is too many so that's yeah. uh, and yeah. i think that when we came away from the round table some of the key issues were that why is there not more early intervention why is there not more support and contact and actually because mm-hmm. It seems to me like the, the huge issue for me is that my children have always wanted to kind of make sense of their their story. And like you say, Elaine, for some children, that's really easy because they can go, well, X happened, so Y happened, so I'm here. For some children, that's yeah. just not available. Mm-hmm. Um, but contact mm-hmm. or communication or whether that, whatever that looks like can often really make sense of that for children. Yeah. Yeah. And one of mine, I will say, is at a point now of saying that um you know i i am going to need contact whether it's safe or whether it's not safe and whatever it might look like we need to find a way not because i want to build a relationship but i want to know yeah. you know i i don't need to find something good i just need to find it i need to find it i need to know it i need to understand it you know whatever it is and interestingly i had a conversation with a friend a couple of nights ago on the phone, a friend I've known for years and um, she's in her fifties recently located her birth dad. And she's just had a journey of getting to know him and it was wonderful. And then it became awful and now it's over. And like, you know, we were sort of talking about how she is and she said, I know now yeah. that was what I needed. I needed to know. And I know, and I, I you know, I, I think that's cut part of the crux of it. It's not, not about creating anything particular, it's a, it's it's about the knowing, yeah, isn't it? Scratching that itch, and and you may not like you say mm. you don't care what you find; you just want to find something. And I think that, yeah, just want to find good it. or bad. Yeah. Ooh. So are you going to adopt? So I guess the end question is: are you going to adopt any more children, then, Elaine? Are you up for it? Um. Do you know that's a really interesting? I was only question. joking. I'm not. <laughs> um, 
But at one, at one point, I would have, you know, would have said I would never adopt again because, you know, I really don't agree with the whole idea. Um, I wouldn't do it again because it wouldn't suit my children and, and, you know, our stage of life and stuff. But, you know, if it, would I adopt again with it being the current framework? If if circumstances, you know, were were where that was something that we wanted to do, I think maybe I would. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because the framework is what it is. You know, and yes, it needs to change, but it is what it is now. And and that is the thing that's on offer for children now. Ow. It offers something. That, well, I think. It, I want I want you to answer the same question. Yeah, Al. <laughs> Please say no. Well, I had a. Well, I had a really interesting conversation with my children. So we had Sunday dinner and we were, we've got a very big table. Got a Sunday dinner and all of them were there. And um, we had a very, we had this conversation. Would I do it again? Right. So that's like a really gruesome conversation to have with yeah. kids. But that's the way we, the way it rolls around out here. You know, we, it's all out there. You, you know, Elaine, you know, you, both of you, it's it's all out there. Yeah, yeah. There's no dark corners yeah, it's all the on the table. And I kind of said, mm, maybe. And they all went, oh, what do you mean? And I went, well, and I, I think the question was, uh, would I do it again? Maybe. I, cu- I couldn't say for sure. And that maybe reflects just the current weather. Um, but the, the the interesting question is that I then, I've, I'm having therapy, Scott, just so you know. Um, I know, mate. You just, don't have to tell me. I know. How do you know that? Yeah. About time, Al, really. Oh, she's been talking to you again, hasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> That's rubbish. Um just to confirm, we I know that that is you. not possible because that would be that would just be gone down a massive rabbit hole with GDPR and you know all that sort of stuff. So that doesn't happen. But what do you mean? Go on. But the thera- I said to the therapist, I said, you know, I've had a great life. I've not got no regrets. You know, so I think that yes, I I would do it differently. I would be more abrasive and I would fight for the rights of my children much more. That's what I would have done. Yeah, so in relation to contact specifically, I would have kicked up a big fuss about yeah. things being different from a long time ago, really. Yeah. What about you then, Scott? Yeah. Oh, I know my answer to this. So, no. Um, and the reason I'm saying no is because I'm too tired. <laughs> I, 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 on, no, I'm, I'm yeah. being genuinely serious, okay? Um, it's hard, it's hard work to introduce a new child or children into your family life when you've got an established family already. Um, and to be honest, you know, well, husband is way too old anyway. He's over the hill now at 50. So, you know. <laughs> Meow. <Excuse> me. <laughs> um, uh, but no, I, I mean, listen, there comes a time where you need to start thinking about yourself as well um in terms of looking after yourself and by having another child it just would i could i just couldn't physically do it i couldn't mentally do it i couldn't but we're not asking if you would do it again now we're asking no, no. would you do it again if you no no that's if, would you feel no, that, see well we're on different pages then because i was asking like, all right now. okay so oh now oh now no no <laughs> Massive no. So you need to think about your context of you, how you're asking these questions. If you if you said to me, would you do it back in 2007 when I first did it? Yeah, of course I would. I'm, nothing would change for that, you know. And that documentary I was watching this week, you know, we're we're all naive. <laughs> we're all naive. Shut up. Oh, it's yeah. About those families. 1998, we started to film. Yeah, I saw that. 
Um, yeah, someone from Sarah Jahal, wasn't it? There was Northeast, there was Kent, there was Leeds, and there was somewhere else, um, London as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, 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 yeah. but what was interesting about that was there was a lot of pickups from that that said, that was us, that was us, that was us, um, in some ways. Not for everything, can I just say? There was one really very <laughs> weird couple up there. <laughs> yeah. Is it, it. Is it yeah. a religious couple? <laughs> the, the cult, I think they were. I was <laughs> <laughs> gone strangely quiet. Anyway, um, but but no, I seriously now no, wouldn't I couldn't. I don't, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to be able to do it now. I would do it again. Of course, I would. I wouldn't change this. I wouldn't change this. You know, I love my kids. I love the life I've got. There's things I'd love to change, but there's things that I also accept that I can change. Isn't that one of the step things as well, isn't it? You know, where you just have to accept that some things you will never change and you can't change. You just got to be Are here. you in the air? No, I'm not in the air, but I've heard All right, okay, that. just checking. But yeah, so there you go. You know, one of the questions that we haven't really touched on, isn't it? And I don't think we should because I'm well, why say this, too long anyway. About how do we influence change in the future as oh. adopters? And I mm. really struggle with that one at the moment because there's a lot of conversations on Twitter. And, you know, I do sometimes hear a call for adopters to do something. I, I have no idea how to do anything. I don't even know how decisions are made. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not in any of those groups or panels or whatever. Um, but I do think it's a really good question. Yeah. And I think if we could figure it out, um, I think there's, you know, on all sides of adoption, I think there are an awful lot of people who are ready yeah. to do something to influence change. Um, and do you know, yeah, I think you've got a really good that. point there because I look at um, someone who I know who whose child is in reception or primary school. Um, and she is having exactly the same issues as we were having 15, 16 years ago in school. Mm. Um, yeah. I know that's just one area of kind of discussion, but education is massive, isn't it, for our families? Education is yeah. probably the biggest pressure that we've got for our kids. Yeah. You know, it hasn't moved on. Yeah. You know, a four-year-old being excluded from... What? Yeah, I mean, come on. Like why? What? What's that? And I, I see the, the parents getting very. Well, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to do this. And I want to say to them, I don't, but I want to say to them, listen, we've been, you know, we, we're we're trudging through the same footprints. You know, we we're just a little bit ahead of you. Yeah. Kind of um, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I wish I did because I'm telling you right now, like, yeah, sometimes it makes you wonder why we do what we do in terms of sitting on, you know some of these things that we sit on and try and influence discussions, you know, how oh, you go to more round tables and actually anybody else that goes to a round table, um, you know, you, you actually go in more round tables and ministers go to round tables. Um, and, and are you making a difference? You know, are you, are you actually earning that MBE? I don't think you are. I'm going to be honest because what changes are we seeing? Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think, think right so this is me and i do think about this a long time ago and a long time ago an awful long time ago i thought to myself right things need to change what can i do um i think that the conversation's different i think that there's a lot more conversations being had and there's a lot there is a lot more agreement in the the so-called triad about things like contact everyone's going 
it's not working. Mm. Even if we can, dis- we've all got maybe different stances and different positions in relation to, oh, it needs to be like this or that or the other. But everyone agrees it is just not fit for purpose. Mm. And that is universal from everyone. Mm. And I think that being in that meeting, yeah. the round table, which was kind of feeds into the care review, which I think is where it gets interesting, is that that is something that potentially has the teeth to propose a change. I think someone like Sarah Jahal is very progressive, and I think the legislation gives you scope to change that. So I think the the stuff from the Nuffield Family Observatory, which is the they did a digital mm-hmm. uh, pilot study on that. We got people like Ark in the northeast who are doing stuff, which we're hopefully going to speak to. Yeah, um, a digital. I think that if we get it to a, dig- a place of digital, that opens so many more doors for different forms of communication. So I think. If we get contact, we get everything. I think if we get contact, it unlocks everything. Yeah. So I think we're I think we're closer yeah. than you think. I think it's definitely moved, hasn't it? Even from certainly from five yeah. years ago, when we knocked the door of our it was before regional adoption agencies and said, you know, we would like to meet birth family. We didn't get to yeah. meet them. I'm deliberately not yeah. specific. Um, you know, we didn't get to meet them during the introductions where there was a meeting set up and we've asked repeatedly. And the first few times we asked, it was almost like there was a kind of a shock and confusion (laughs) about why this would happen. But I think that Mm. is different now. And I think, you know, people were doing things um, themselves, you know, making their own contact and things. But I do think now, there has definitely been a shift. I don't think it's nearly enough at all, but there has been a shift that those conversations aren't mm. met with surprise anymore um, with professionals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's an acknowledgement at least that it's not unusual to ask, can you help us yeah. to think about contact? Yeah, and we know, Scott, that if we... If I put a podcast out tomorrow that was about contact, it would get picked up more than all the other ones. If I put a webcast on on Wednesday, it would yeah. it would get higher viewing because people are people want something. I think to they're happen. desperate for that validation yeah. that it's okay to think that they can go ahead and do what they want to do, um, yeah, and to challenge or to make contact or you know however, however whatever it. they feel confident in doing for the benefit of their child, you know. Um, I don't think there's anybody who would make contact without kind of looking at the risks first, you know, looking at oh, yeah. potential progress yeah. and how they've changed. You know, you're, we're not talking about sleepovers here. We're not talking about, you know, saying, oh, hi, can you babysit for me? Can't, you know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about them having a connection with their biological family. And, and that's a really important yeah. thing. And, you know, I think as time goes on, we'll see more and more evidence that says it's good for a child and it's also good for them as well you know yeah yeah one of the things that we one of mine has mentioned may not happen may happen and there's a whole journey that we're in and a whole journey to go through but one of the things that has been mentioned is would it be possible to create a social media account that was completely separate didn't have any of my connections or friends where I could communicate with this particular person and mm. never ever meet them 
because at the moment that there's there's no evidence that that would be a good idea and there's evidence that it could actually really not be a good idea um but you know there are still ways aren't there and but we would want a and and we do have this setup thankfully that there's there's a there's a process of first we've got somebody who's going to help my daughter to think about that and really explore it and that's just starting now and then there's a um um, somebody from a birth family support agency who has already made contact with birth parents and made some kind of assessment who would be the person who would then go and have that conversation. It wouldn't be us mm. setting up a Facebook account and doing that and then helping to make that yeah. connection and possibly talking about literacy and those kind of things, you know, but you need, you need people at work in their jobs whose it falls within their remit to and do this. I think this. that is change. I think that, you know, I, I think we're part of the same RAA. Um, so I think that, that people like yourself who are asking them, do this, please do this, means that it is precipitating change. Um, I know that they've set up a ukulele evening for adoptive parents and that to me is just probably the, the difference between success or failure around here um so i'm going to sign up for that and i might do a live podcast from it if that's okay Scott. well um, i mean i've heard i've heard your singing voice yeah. this week so you yeah, know i mean <laughs> yeah so um i think things are moving on that's me we are gonna to have to draw this to an end um and i do think things are changing elaine you have been fantastically insightful i'm not sure where we started where we got to and how we ended up there <laughs> where we ended Adoptive <laughs> to be fair, it's better than evenings. if we were in, all in the same room together because, you know, I mean, Arlene's not a yeah. big drinker, but, you know, we do tend to go down rabbit holes in terms of our discussions. So maybe we've been a little bit more focused we because we're not all in the same room This and we don't have hours now. So yeah. Maybe. That's a... that and as we're well. being recorded. Well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, a little bit. Slight yes. impact, so, if anyone's got this far and they're slightly offended, <laughs> you could have just turned. You could have just turned it off. Yeah, don't be um, atting us. Don't be tagging us. Don't be atting us, or whatever it is they say. You know what these yeah. these people say. Or our Illuminati friends will come and break your legs. No, that's not true. No one's going to get their legs broken. No, we're not. Oh my God. We're not. It's just joking. My voice ringing. Look, so you're, not ringing you're not finished there. Right. Okay, well, no, I'll just, I'll just put her over there for a minute. Okay, while we well, wrap up. it's been lovely seeing you all and uh, look after yourselves. And uh, I'll meet you for drinks it, shortly, I'm sure. Bon Jovi. Well, I'll, I'll see you at the ukulele <laughs> group. I'll be at the bar. I'll be at the bar waiting on you. See you when you're next in the UK, Scott. Excellent. Bye. Bye.